First of all, a podcast takes a lot of work, okay? You have to organize the guests, you have to do a Google Calendar, and then you build a following. It takes a long fucking time, and I've been working on it for a while. Hello, podcasters. Welcome back, or welcome to I Don't Care the Podcast. I'm your girl, Alexia DiStefano, and today I am overjoyed to get into this week's episode because we have an amazing guest, Tony Alcantar. Now, you might not recognize the name because most of you aren't in the acting world, but let me just explain who Tony is before we get into it. Tony Alcantar is probably the best known dialect coach in Vancouver. He trained me in my standard American accent And he has trained many celebrities as well. He currently is working on Fargo. He did three seasons on Fargo, and the new season is coming out soon. He did the Murdaugh Murder um, series that I think has also come out, and many, many other films. He was also in one of the most classic movies of the 2000s, Best in Show. He started his career in Second City, which was a live version of SNL back in the 80s, where he worked with Steve Carell, the lead from The Office. So this, Tony has been doing it successfully for a long time. And I am just so lucky and honored to get to sit down. It was over Zoom, so the quality is shit. But other than that, you hear us perfectly clear and that is what's important. This interview was so fun, and we got real and honest about some things, and we had some laughs about other things, and we just get to know each other and Tony more. So please, without further ado, enjoy the interview. Welcome to the podcast. I don't care. Thank you so much for joining me and being willing to answer my questions. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I like to say I'm willing. I can't, can't wait to hear the questions. Well, yeah, let's see. Let's see about that. Well, let's start with the first question then, which is how did you discover your love for storytelling? Like, what was the thing that made you be like, oh, I have to do this? Well, I know that when I was a kid, I was always getting into trouble being the class clown. Mm. So I guess I knew there was some value in humor and jokes Mm-hmm. and writing parody stories. I used to read like Mad Magazine and I really enjoyed their like jokes about certain TV shows or movies. And I would think to myself, yeah, this is this is pretty funny. And you just go from there. Surprisingly, I'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in theater as a kid at all. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one of these young actor people. I wasn't interested really until my early 20s Mm. and got into theater. I was more into sports early on. Okay. And and being from Chicago, which is a uh, an improv hub, I Mm. got involved with acting only because of my love of improv, meaning my love of jokes, meaning my love of storytelling from when I was a kid. So I guess that's the answer. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like always being the funny one. I'm sure people were like, oh, you could be a comedian or something. And maybe you're like, yeah, maybe I could. Yeah, you know, that's funny. In my eighth grade year, like like autograph book, Mm 
Yeah. One of the classmates of mine, Benita Kirschenbaum, mm-hmm. who's out there somewhere in Chicago. <laughs> she 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 said, if you were if you were Jewish, you'd be a great um uh, you'd be Don Rickles or you'd be a great competitor for Don Rickles or something like like that. And I'm like, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. So it did start at least as early as eighth grade, probably before. Okay. And then, so I guess you knew you wanted to be in like the comedy sort of improv world, but yeah. when you were like, okay, let me try this thing out. What were your goals for your career? When I was in my early 20s, I, I joined this improv school in Chicago, and there's a lot of them, but the premier one is called the Players Workshop of the Second City. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray went there, Bonnie Hunt, George Went. These are big names from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and I was going there in the early to mid-80s. And so this was the place to be, and so I started classes there, and I met a girl uh, who was in a number of my classes, and she later became my girlfriend. Friend, and she was reading a book about getting into commercials. Mm. I was like, huh, commercials. And we took classes together. And I'm like, okay, you got to audition for these things. And well, as you know, there's certain, there's more steps to just, I want to be and then becoming. Yeah. <laughs> there's many steps in between. Yes. And so she and I got agents and we do plays together. And so, like many other people, it was a, a, a long process. Mm-hmm. What are my what were my goals? I I must tell you that would have been my downfall mm-hmm. because career-wise, mm-hmm. I didn't have goals. I just loved doing what I was doing. And when I say a downfall, when you improvise, you're told be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I was really in the moment. I didn't have ambition to be anything greater than just doing stuff with my girlfriend and the people we were hanging out with and yeah having a lot of fun and i did not i did not put the goal way down the road and do the steps to get there meanwhile the people around me were moving to la the big names now mm-hmm. Dan castellaneta who's homer simpson was in the class that graduated before i did mm-hmm. uh, in the mid 80s i was doing classes with steve carell yep we were doing Dude. stuff together he mm-hmm. had his sights on things down the line, mm. clearly, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were wiser or more ambitious, I would have been out in L.A. 40 years ago, but I didn't go out to L.A. Mm-hmm. So when you ask about the goals, I was just living in the moment and I didn't really have any. That's mm. the truth. Okay. I mean, every actor in their career is different. And because I'm so new I'm always you know asking these questions and this is why I love having the podcast format is because where else do you get to just sit down with people doing what you want to do and talk to them yeah so this is where I get to learn and I'm a very big goal setter so for me I love my goals um but I'm not a I'm I'm okay with throwing them away if I have to because I think Sometimes people get too stuck with these are my goals. They have to happen. And then if they don't, they crumble. Yes. Or no goals at all. So I find myself in the middle. You know what, though? I'll tell you this quickly. Yeah. I've since learned that if you want to achieve a thing, you've got to set out concrete, sequential, uh, 
markers so you know when you achieve it, or actually you work backwards. The goal is here, mm -hmm. how many steps do I have to put and what are they yeah. to get there? So I guess I guess with age comes wisdom, hopefully. So I've learned, but that being said, I'm, I can't kick myself and say, those guys in LA, like I'll watch a movie, I'll watch a TV show. There'll be um, an animated thing and there's the voice of, mm -hmm. and I'll say to myself or I'll say out loud, oh yeah, out loud. I'll say, yeah, there's so-and-so, I know her, mm -hmm. but I don't go, oh, if only I did the thing that I should have done. Yeah. Can't, you can't second guess your life, right? Yeah, exactly. I, there's this girl that I went to high school with. Her name is Whitney Peak. And she is now the face of Chanel. And she was in the new Gossip Girl reboot, The Star. Really? And she was in Hocus Pocus 2. She's doing really, really, really well. And I'm like, oh, see, if she could do it, a small girl from Poco, I can yes. do it too. And when I see her on TV for Coco Chanel, yeah, sometimes I'm like, damn, she got lucky. She got there. But I'm like, but she's just paving the way. So then me, another girl from Poco, can follow in her footsteps and get there with her. That is a great attitude because if she can do it, no mm -hmm. matter what it is, yeah, that means it's possible for you. That's 100% correct. Yeah. It's it's a it's a healthy attitude. It's a can do. It puts your life in your hands, um, which means go for it. Yeah, go exactly. It. Why not? So when you were taking your first steps into your career, and this might be what you were saying before is not having the goals. That could be your answer. Mm -hmm. But um, what were like your first kind of steps that you took to really, really concrete your career? And mm -hmm. would you advise actors now to do the same thing? I had my career somewhat ragtag up until I was probably in my 30s. Um, I thought my career was set when I got cast in the Second City mm -hmm. in Toronto. I was doing comedy in Chicago. I, uh, I wasn't doing it as a full-time thing. You know, many actors have to do several things. Yeah. I made it to the final auditions several years in a row in Chicago, but I couldn't get cast in the company. And I remember saying, I'll just drive up to Toronto and audition up there. Mm -hmm. Looked on the map. It's not that far. I drove up there and I got I got hired. Yeah. And, and I so I got hired in the second city in Toronto. I toured with the touring company mm. throughout Ontario and they flew us out to Edmonton. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So we did shows out there for a comedy yeah. festival. And I thought, well, that's my career. I'm on yeah. the way. That's it. Well, yeah. that only lasted two years. And all the things that I thought would come, more auditions for TV shows, mm. more commercial, that stuff didn't happen. That only happened when I moved out to Vancouver. Mm. And then the film and TV and voiceover and obviously dialect coaching yeah. really took off after leaving Chicago. Mm. That's when it happened. Which is kind of ironic because so many of us actors in Vancouver try to leave to go to America to make yeah. our careers happen in America. But for you, it was sort of the opposite, which is just kind of like, cool, because I'm I'm already like, okay, how can I get to America? How can I get to California, to New yeah. York? 
those are my steps. But I am very lucky to be in Vancouver and not be somewhere else in Canada where the industry is much slimmer than it is here. So, you know, this is a great place to be for actors. I lived in L.A. I was on a show there called American Dreams mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. We did the pilot here. The producer mm-hmm. called me, said, hey, I've got a role for you in L.A. on the show. It got picked mm-hmm. up. Do you want to come down? I'm like, yeah, I'll come down. He says, well, it's it's only a uh, a co-starring role. It's not a big role, but mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. So I moved, came down, went down to L.A. and found out that unless you've got a guarantee, they're not going to write for your character. So in season one, I was in maybe five out of 20 episodes, really thin. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't really happening for me there, but I thought it would. Well, while I was down there, I befriended the local actors there. Mm-hmm. And they said, you're better off just in general building your career in Vancouver to come here mm-hmm. because we're fighting for scraps down here mm-hmm. and we're not working. He says, you guys in Vancouver are getting roles that we're not getting because stuff is being shot up there. So, Back to what you're saying, Mm -hmm. if you can build your resume in Vancouver to court that L.A. manager or agent, a lot of agents in Vancouver now have partnerships with, Mm -hmm. well, any agents all over the world, right? It's a global thing. Yeah. So you're right. You can you can build up stuff here in Canada. Right. And then be a more attractive export than someone who's down there and desperate. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll say this, where you go in America is interesting because there's a lot of stuff filmed or cast out of Georgia, mm-hmm. a lot of things in New Mexico. And of course, they're going to go through an LA agent, yeah. but they might go through an agent in New Mexico. Mm. It's it's not, it's not such a separated world. Everything is mixed. You have a good shot here, living here. And I also say to my friends when they're saying, should I move to LA? Should I move to Toronto? Should I move to Calgary? Should I stay here? I ask them, where would you rather wait tables? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where Where would you rather have friends or have no friends? Yeah. If yeah. you have family here, you've got a support. If you've got a significant other, that helps you too. If you've got a community right yeah if you got a dog like you do uh-huh oh yeah 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 but come with me though i'm not leaving her yeah. yes 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 you must you must take her of course um we're gonna do some rapid fire questions yeah. they're random questions but just to get to know you a little bit more okay okay sure sure your biggest accent pet peeve when when watching someone else yes ah um did no one ever teach you that less is more? Mm-hmm. Did no one ever teach you that? I'll watch a show and I'll be like, ugh, who had their hand on the wheel of this thing? Less is more. Okay. Okay. Uh, the hardest accent to teach. Is the one you've never heard. Okay. <laughs> You're great at it all. <laughs> what about the hardest accent that you had to learn? Wow, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think because I don't see myself as Scottish or Irish mm. because of my features, mm-hmm. there's something about those accents that I think to myself, if I do them or when I do them, mm-hmm. you're phony, mm-hmm. no one will believe it. 
Okay. So those are the hardest for me, but I'll tell you a quick story. Do I have a time for a quick story? You have time for everything. Okay. So uh, a couple of years ago, before they tore down the Oak Ridge Mall, I went in there uh, during Christmas to get something for my wife. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get her a hat. Mm. And, you know, hats are seemingly not in fashion, but I wanted to get her a cool hat. Like, a, I don't mean like a baseball hat. I mean like something. Fancy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I go in there and there's a hat shop in there. Mm. And so I go in there and it's very quiet. It's like a weekday. No one's in there. There's two people. Mm-hmm. They they both work there. And there's this uh, older woman in there. And so I think to myself, I'm going to use my Scottish accent in here. So I start talking to her about getting something for my wife and this and that and the other. And I'm really quiet because it's a small shop. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, where are you from? I say, where do you think I'm from? Where do you think I'm from? Okay, yeah. And she says, where do you? I, so I say, yeah, I'm looking for a hat for my wife. And where do you think I'm from? Yeah. And she says, uh, Scotland. I said, I, and so I'm having this little private conversation with her. I'm thinking she, because I was so underplaying this and I don't look traditionally Scottish. Yep. But because I was doing it so, so casually, Mm -hmm. she bought that I was from Scotland. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, Hey, if she, if she thinks so, then I could prop that it's the accent is holding me back because I don't believe it. But now I can believe it because she believed it. Mm-hmm. But but to answer your question, the initial question, the Scottish sound, Irish, because I don't up until that point see yeah. myself as such. Mm-hmm. But now maybe. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's so funny, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, Your favorite movie. I could watch over and over the movie, The Artist. Okay. It's a silent movie. It won 2012 um, the Academy Award for Best Picture. Mm. It has everything you want. It has physical comedy. It has sensuality in the characters. It's got love. It's got over-the-top storyline. Mm. But The Artist um i could watch over and over okay i'm i need to check it out because i've actually never watched a silent movie before it is it takes a few seconds to get used to Mm -hmm. i've only seen a handful of them yeah um obviously the quintessential silent movie maker would be charlie chaplin Mm -hmm. i've heard of him yeah and uh this is filmed it's set in the 30s chaplin would have been still around mm-hmm. um but yeah see the artist it's okay if you are a romantic you will fall in love with this movie okay i'm not but i'll i'll still do uh. I'll still watch it <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah okay your favorite memory at second city we did a show in um where's wayne gretzky from Brampton or Brantford or Bram. Someone will tell you. We did a show where Wayne Gretzky is from. Okay. Brainerd. No, that's in. That's that's not. That's from the movie Fargo. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, we did a show there. Mm -hmm. It was a large auditorium. Mm. We did a live show, and every joke, every shtick, would be 
we would be hit with waves of laughter. Mm -hmm. And I mean, waves of laughter, not just shows that you do in a cabaret. And it's, it's sort of like uh, people are drinking and it's ha ha and cackling. And, and when the joke is over, they're still tittering because they're kind of drunk and Mm -hmm. chatter. It's not that Mm -hmm. it was a proper theater. And we were the, that the main course. I don't know how many thousands of people were there. It seems like thousands. Could have been hundreds. It was definitely hundreds, but it seemed like thousands. Yeah. The laughs were like none of us. And we went backstage in intermission. We're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. We were clicking and it was overwhelming how much we had to stop mm-hmm. for the to hold for the laugh because the laughter wasn't just immediate. It was wa- waves of laughter. Wow. That's a rewarding feeling too, though. Like, damn, we nailed it. We're doing good. We nailed it. Mm-hmm. And we nailed it plus tomorrow's show. <laughs> and tomorrow's show. That was unreal. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that question because I'd forgotten about that moment. Oh, I love it. I was yeah. when I was doing my research, I was trying to find any videos from Second City, but they didn't record anything, did they? No, I myself have a bunch of newspaper clippings and articles. Yeah. Um, no, because our show was live, mm-hmm. any real recording would have just been like your parents on a old yeah, on a uh, camcorder. It would just been left, right, left, right. Then you yeah. zoom in, but the other person would be left out. Fair That's enough. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. The best advice you were ever given. Wow. Mm-hmm. Tough. Some of these yeah. are rapid fire. One of one of them was the one of the producers in Second City mm-hmm. who called me on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> and this advice came to me twice. I we were doing a show in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. I was subbing for an actor who I don't know why he was off, but I subbed for a week. I don't remember. And we did an improv at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. It was a musical improv. And so I was singing and it was at the time where I want to say Terminator 2 came out or okay. I can't remember what it was. I was doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation mm-hmm. and I quoted a line from the movie, which was which was quite blue. It was it was it was an off color thing to say. Mm. And that was the chorus of the mm. show. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day, the producer calls me in the office. Her name was Lynn. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, I heard about the show last night. And here I am. I'm all high. Yeah. Because the show. And she says, uh, Tony, not on my stage. Oh, no. And I bit my tongue and mm-hmm. I said, okay, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. And that taught me the pecking order of the business. Mm-hmm. You can't throw yourself on the mercy of the boss because the boss knows what the boss wants Mm -hmm. years later i was doing a show here in town Mm -hmm. and another producer from la i was dialect coaching the whole cast or no hold on the three leads Mm -hmm. and a couple ancillary characters okay and on the ancillary characters they needed a particular spanish accent Mm. and i was under the impression that i could do the job at that point 
but it was really short-sightedness on my part. Mm. And she asked me, how's it going? And I said something to the effect of, yeah, and, they, and they're not going to notice because blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she said to me, Tony, we have this show is going worldwide. Mm. We need to be more diligent. Mm-hmm. And I thought back to what the producer said in Second City, mm-hmm. not on my stage. Yeah. And what that meant for me was I had to actually hire some, I had to subcontract someone okay, to yeah. help me with that thing mm. to give her what she wanted. And in both cases, I bit my tongue thinking to myself, the boss is always right. Yeah. Shut your mouth and do what the boss says and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And that is a is a sort of a head thing, not a heart thing. Mm. And uh, give the boss what the boss wants. Yeah. Times, I shut my mouth. Mm-hmm. They were right. But that's good advice, too, because even when a director is telling you notes after you've done a scene, like you as the actor can love what you did. But if it's not what the director wants, you have to adjust to what they want. So that kind of mentality is good. I've been on shows where Mm -hmm. one show in particular, I won't tell you the name of the show. Okay. It was literally a guy on this side of the desk, guy on the other side of the desk. They're sitting and talking. Mm-hmm. nobody enters nobody exits mm. it's an interior mm. we're in the studio we don't have to deal with wind light the elements yeah. the equipment is there mm. it took one hour for a private blocking of the scene oh man we're standing around and i'm dialect coaching on this show mm-hmm. and the first idea is like guys just just everyone just go get a donut Go get some coffee. Go to Crafty. This is going to be a while. Why is it going to be a while? Because the two actors in this particular show mm-hmm. love to talk about, you know, well, I think. Oh. oh well, but I think. And then the director, well, I think. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's good to collaborate. But generally, the director has in mind a thing, mm-hmm. lays out the thing. Yeah. And then all the departments swoop in and do their thing. But because they love to luxuriate on the the massaging each other, mm-hmm. yeah. at some point someone has to say, are we going to do this or not? Yeah. And one hour, if you're a producer out there watching this, you know how much an hour costs. Mm-hmm. The director of this particular episode was also the executive producer Got it. Yeah. So it's uh, his deal. So if that's what he wants, he's the boss. Yes. So yeah. Now we'll just sit around for an hour if that's what you want. Yep. I mean, more money for you, at least you get to. Just- yeah, because that means we're we're definitely going into overtime just yeah. based on this hour. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Oh, man. OK. What is either the best advice you gave yourself or a quote that you live by? If any. Yeah, just just yeah, just just shut your mouth and listen. Yeah. Shut your mouth and listen. Mm-hmm. I have put my foot in my mouth many times. I've acted impulsively. This mm-hmm. is in all facets of my life mm-hmm. where it would have been wiser just to shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I tell myself that one too, Tony. Yeah, I the reason I can't go into details is because there's so many details. 
Yeah. <laughs> too many, too many times. Too many. Just shut up and listen. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. The most rewarding thing you've done in your career so far. Well, we just, uh, it's coming out this month, Fargo, mm-hmm. uh, which I've done three seasons on that. Yeah. That is the most rewarding because it's the most exhausting. Mm. It's meant that I had to leave my family and go to Calgary mm-hmm. for three seasons. Mm. It meant enduring brutal cold. Yeah. Oh, Calgary. The, the heartbreak of being without my wife and my kids. Mm-hmm. And I've done it three times. Yeah. And so, and and because it's such a great show, the payoff is great. Mm-hmm. But I would say that's taken the biggest toll on me. But again, it's the most rewarding because everybody knows that show. It's not some obscured show on some nothing network. People yeah. know that show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I find that extremely rewarding. Um, How long is the season to film? Six months? We, uh, yeah, six months of filming. Mm-hmm. And then it it's coming a lot for just for a just for a uh, point of reference yeah we started filming in october of last year it's mm. coming out october of this year mm-hmm. so it's been in post-production for six months yeah a long time yeah, yeah yeah but that's how you know it's good yeah oh yeah okay this is kind of a silly one yeah do you think americans are better actors than canadians yes and tell me why okay it's rough in the States. Mm-hmm. An actor who I work with on a show said to me this. He says, Tony, um, I'm thinking about coming up here and getting a, an agent. I go, oh, really? Why? He says, well, I'm down in uh, L.A. and I've always got to fight traffic to get to where I'm going. And then I'm fighting with my agent. Then I've got to fight with the casting directors. I go, you're going to do well up here because you already told me you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting. Mm. Canadians up here see fighting as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And therefore I know as an American in our DNA is fight, struggle, conflict, and fight. Mm. And -hmm. because we know how to fight, we've already sussed out what's at stake. That's why we're fighting. I find with actors up here, they don't really know what's at stake because a lot of things have been given to them. Whether the government has swooped down and written you a check for X, Y, and Z, or wag the finger, go get your next shot, or just, just all those government-supplied things, which means the fight is not there. It's like always getting breakfast in bed. You're yeah. not going to know how to milk a cow if your breakfast is in bed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this guy, whose name is Rick, I said, Rick, you're going to do well up here because you know how to fight. Mm-hmm. So I think the and this is a stereotypical answer, but you're yeah. asking me a big question. Yeah. I think Canadians see fighting as a negative. Mm-hmm. They don't fight. They avoid conflict. And if conflict is not the driving force of drama mm. or comedy, whether it's a situation or it's another thing or a person or or an entity bigger than you, like the government or nature. If you're not fighting, if you don't, if you don't see that struggle, you're not going to be a good actor. It is a fight. Yeah. So on that basis, I'm backing up why I say what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There you go. 
Okay. I I remember you saying something like um like that in our uh sessions that we did. And yeah. so that's why I wanted to ask and like really hone in on it cuz uh yeah, I mean, it's a good point though. It's like being stern and like yeah, Canadians are very submissive whereas Americans are very dominant. And you can tell in the acting um sometimes that kind of our our personalities come out and it's like we're actors we've got to act a certain way sometimes so and be comfortable and be comfortable with knowing that we were working on a show Mm -hmm. won't tell you the show it was filmed on a sunday it was downtown on burrard street we Mm -hmm. only had this area for a sunday only it was a crowd scene we Mm -hmm. had to do the scene it was near uh the canada place center or whatever that is you know where the boats come in down there oh uh pearl harbor Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah, exactly. Pearl <laughs> yeah. Harbor. So, da- no. so down there, so down there at Canada Place, whatever that is. Yeah. So anyway, it's at the wa- near the waterfront station. Okay, it's in that area. It's super crowded. It's off Burrard, Hastings, yeah. whatever. So we're down there. And it's a crowd scene. Now, the storyline is this. Our hero, our hero is down there and he gets caught up in this mob scene. The mm. mob scene is there because a guy's been shot on the street. The people think it's police brutality. It isn't because the guy has turned into a zombie and there's a crowd and tear gas and the mother and father and the other kid um, see this on TV and they call him on the phone. They say, get out of there. We'll come down. They race there. They get him. They swoop him out because it turns into mayhem. Just imagine like some crazy mob scene. Yeah. So when we're down there, the, the, wrangler of the background actors is on the bullhorn he's going okay here's what the scene is and he describes what the scene is to the background people and how once the shooting occurs it has to be a mob scene Mm. we do one maybe two takes cut the guy gets on the bullhorn he goes people you're angry a guy has been shot in cold blood the background actors could not summon themselves to play the emotion of anger. Mm. They could not be anger. It's like, action, hey, something's going on. Do you want to get a Starbucks? It's like, you're <laughs> angry. If, yeah. you're, if your well does not run deep because mm-hmm. everything's been handed to you, or if you've been told, don't be like those Americans, mm-hmm. don't give me rage, then you have yet to experience, uh, in this case, it would be uh, righteous indignation. It would be you're angry because you've seen something happen that's wrong. Mm. But if you're constantly taught, meh, mm-hmm. or just be cool, it, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. And and, th- and I'm there. I saw this. Mm-hmm. Th- these actors could not show anger. Mm. You know who can? Mm-hmm. A thousand other actors, and they mm-hmm. live down in the States. They'll show yeah. you the rage. The irony is we'll watch an NHL game. I love hockey. There's players out there who are angry. They're fighting each other. They're chasing for the... Why can't the actors be like the NHL players? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the people in the crowd, they get Abs- so angry. Absolutely. With- absolutely. <laughs> I brought a friend of mine. A friend of mine came here. She's from Chicago. She visited. I'd gone into Chicago. You know, again, from Chicago. We've seen yeah. games with the Blacks off, Hawks with her husband or kids. I She came here and we saw a Canucks game. Mm-hmm. She was like, what is going on? Is this theater? Because everyone was so quiet. They weren't yelling. They weren't doing anything. Yeah. She was, she couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Just watching? Just yeah. watching. Now, yeah. 
when you when you don't you you might think well maybe the Canucks weren't playing well well then you yell at them that's your <laughs> right I paid a ticket money I'm gonna yell at you whatever it takes to inspire you I'm gonna do it but mm-hmm. sitting on my hands drinking my tea and eating my biscuits while watching the game come <laughs> on okay. yeah it's so funny okay how did you get into the accent side of the industry mm-hmm. and how did you start? creating Tony and associates like how did that all happen well I realized I was so surprised that this Canadian accent thing was a big problem with the producers Mm. I did not really know that how do I I mean I could hear the difference Mm -hmm. well as part of my master of fine arts degree accents and dialects were something that I did okay and I would use that in performances in Chicago in the second city. So I I was very confident and comfortable doing them. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know there was a way to turn it into a living here until I found out, oh yeah, we need, you know, there's a thing called a dialogue coach. I have mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I went over some of my notes and reworked them to finalize a format mm-hmm. that could easily be adhered to. Mm-hmm. And I threw my name in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I found that I got hired. In fact, James Gunn hired me mm-hmm. for a movie that he did here probably in 2006, five or six, as one of my first uh, dialect coaching gigs on, oh. on a movie on a feature called Slither. Mm-hmm. And um, and pretty, and, you know, like anything else, success builds other success. Mm-hmm. And if you are good at something, mm-hmm. You can categorize other things, and pretty soon people ask me, how can you do so many dialects? Well, yeah. you categorize them, and once you categorize them, you know, this, these five are in that category, these are similar, those are similar. Now you know 50 accents, but you can break them down into three categories, four or five, whatever it takes. And um, so I was just doing, it was just me. Yeah. Then I realized, wait a minute, I need to branch out. I need to get some people under me who can do some work while I'm doing some other work. Yeah. And so I started training people who I thought had the qualities to be a dialect coach. Mm. It doesn't mean that they were dialect coaches. They had the qualities to interface with actors in a high pressure situation to make them comfortable to do the job. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be a linguist. You don't have to have... A degree in it you have to be an excellent communicator mm-hmm. and exude confidence and get them where they need some people need a carrot some people need a stick yeah you need to know who they what they what they need what motivates them yeah yeah and so i looked for people i knew with that those qualities mm-hmm. and therefore i have the team that i have yes and they are great Yes, they are. And <laughs> Francesca, for the people listening, I have an interview with Francesca. So check that out, too. Yeah. Um, so when you did decide to start your business, were there many other dialect coaches in Vancouver doing it? Or was it like sort of you who started it? Listen, I. you should always keep your eye out there mm. so you know who the competition is. Yeah. And I know people in Canada will say, Vancouver, well, hey, man, there's no competition. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. There is competition. 
So I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. I, I behave in my industry, in my business, as if I am second and I'm not number one. Mm-hmm. And there is an elusive person ahead of me that mm-hmm. I have to be better than and that my business has to be better than. Yeah. So I don't operate as if I'm top of the hill. By numbers, I probably am. Mm-hmm. By I reputation, so. I probably am, but I'm not going to behave that way. Mm-hmm. And as I tell people also, I never say I'm great, but other people do. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a reason why people go to you and including me, like there's a reason why I said, oh, I want to go to Tony Alcantara. And it wasn't just because you are the best of the best, which of course, in my opinion, you are. But it was also because I want his name on my resume. You want to hear a funny story? Someone yeah. came to one of my workshops that I do. Every Christmas I do a free workshop and I hope you come. It's going to be I a came comedy. to one last year, so I would like to come to this. Okay, video. okay. Yeah. It's, it's a comedy workshop this time. Oh, good. Okay. And uh, we go around the list was mm-hmm. it at the Beaumonts? Were you at the Beaumonts? I or think so. It? it was just like a big room that was like wood. Yeah. 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 You were at the Beaumonts. Okay. Yeah. So so I do a Christmas workshop there years ago. And we go through the names. Hi, how are you? It's sort of like a meet and greet. Just to, just to you know how it is. Yeah. And so the one girl says to me, she go, I say, why, why are you here? What do you expect to get out of this? Yeah. She goes, well, I'm here because I want to put your name on my resume. Yeah. And everybody laughed. And I said, you didn't have to come here to do that. You can put your, my name on your resume. You can do that any day of the week. Yeah. But, but she wanted to, uh, I guess, have that cachet. Listen, there there are people in the city mm-hmm. who are dialect coaches who teach classes or do theater work. And I don't want to put them down. Mm. They're going to do what they do in the way they do it. Mm-hmm. I know that what I do and the way I do it is like what no one else is doing. Yeah. And I know that because, and this is not going to be egotistical. People come and they study, like we've done stuff online. Yeah. When I used to have actors coming to my place, mm-hmm. they would actually give me like a book or a CD. And mm-hmm. I've got a stack of books and CDs because they come in and I wouldn't request this. They mm-hmm. just go here. This is what I've been using. This doesn't work. And I have a stack oh. of like reject mm-hmm. um, materials mm-hmm. that don't do the job. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are voice and diction books, books which have the anatomy of the mouth, the throat, and all that kind of stuff yeah. written by people who might know what they're talking about, but that's still not the way to effectuate a change mm-hmm. when you have someone who wants a certain thing now. Yeah. It's like if I'm changing a flat tire on the side of the road mm-hmm. in the snow. I don't need the history of the tire or a history of snow. Mm -hmm. I need to do it now. Mm -hmm. I'm stressed. I feel exposed. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, I, and subsequently everyone who works under me, they Mm -hmm. understand that. And we use methods that are going to calm down the actor to make them effective in this thing called an accent, which is easier than you think. Yeah. Well, Sometimes, I mean, the standard American, I I think once you know the things that you need to know, that's really when the, 
the practice gets to start. You taught me the things that I need to know and I practiced it, but I practice it every day and I look, I listen for it every day. So that's like what the coaching really for me is about is knowing what I need to look out for. Awesome. I want to know how COVID changed how um, you ran your business. Cause I don't know how it was before, but I assume everything was majority in person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had always had, not always, but as the years rolled up, mm-hmm. I would get clients in different regions. I'd have mm-hmm. clients in Australia. I'd have, I'd have clients in Europe, different parts of the States. I'd get called. Mm-hmm. So this thing called zoom was not new to me whatsoever. Okay. When COVID hit, the thought was, I guess everybody Zoom now. Mm-hmm. And people reacted well to it. Mm-hmm. It was convenient. Here in Vancouver, there's a lot of... <laughs> oh, people who care about the carbon footprint. And for those people, <laughs> just clicking on is yeah. so much easier and great. Good. If that's what motivates you and yeah. this satisfies you, good. I'm all for it. And I found that I actually, like many businesses or a few, yeah. have thrived during COVID and even after mm-hmm. because I can manipulate this, this medium as easy as the in-person. Now, the sad news is I I find this unsatisfying in so much as I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a I'm a how are you? Let's have a coffee. Let's talk. You look nice yeah. today. Yeah. I'm a people person and I miss that. Mm. So that's that's part of the reason why I I do my yearly thing. It's also because you know, I want to do something nice for people. Yeah. My classes were in person. We'd rent out the Beaumont, or before that, we had a space downtown. Uh, people are a little, some actors are gun shy. They don't want to, people are wearing masks now. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, that whole thing. But to answer your question, uh, COVID kind of hurt me on a personal level yeah. because I d- couldn't do the thing I do best. Yeah. Um, the business continued and went up and still goes up. Yeah, I look forward to times when I can go back to the Beaumont and Mm -hmm. that'll be next year. We'll start opening up classes again. Good. Yeah. It's not as profitable as Zoom. Yeah. But it's going to be both options like you can do Zoom or in person. Yeah. 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 I love classes. And here's the thing I I may have told you before. We need to people. This is so cliche. People need people. Mm hmm. We need to like hang out. Yeah. We need to have a drink or a smoke or a <laughs> uh, a personal interaction. We need other people. Yeah. And this is this is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how it affected me. Exactly. I get that for sure. But now we are going to play a quick game. Okay. Okay. It's not even like a game. It's more of just like. Oh, since we've finished our lessons, there's a couple words that I'm like, how do you say it correctly? Ah, okay, okay. Um, so I'm just gonna say it how I say it, and you yep. say if it's the American way or the Canadian way. Okay. Awesome. Sounds great. Perfect. Now, horror, is it horror or horror? 
Okay. As long as it doesn't sound like whore, mm -hmm. that's good. Right. If you're on the East Coast, mm -hmm. or even if you're in England, you might say, if you're in England, you might say horror. Mm. If you're from New York and you might say it was horrible. Mm. Or you might say, we're driving down to Florida for the weekend. It's going to be horrible. The traffic's mm. going to be horrible. Mm. So that OR turning into an AR is born of the Brits, mm -hmm. but is maintained along the East Coast. Okay. So if you hear someone here say, that was a horror show, mm. you know they're from out East okay. in the United States. Okay. Um, if someone offers you a glass of orange juice. Yep. It That's... should be orange juice. Okay, good to know. So it's origin, not origin. Origin, as opposed to origin. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What about very? What very, are the options? Very. What were the options? Very or very. I think is it more of the E sound or the A sound? Very. Very. I mean, the, I'm the very angry. Word. Okay, this sound. Now, this is from the East Coast, too. Mm-hmm. My friend Barry, as mm. opposed to Barry, mm -hmm. Barry, or Mary, mm -hmm. or uh, she's she's very she's very nice. When you get it into the A, that is again more of the East East Coast America. So, being the standard, I would say very. Okay. It has the word air in it. Very. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about because? Is it because or because? Give it to me in a sentence. Give, um, me, give me it in a sentence and give me two takes. Okay. She went to the store because she needed orange juice. Mm -hmm. She went to the store because she needed orange juice. Either is fine. Okay. People on the East Coast. I had a friend named Ruth. She worked with me in Chicago. She was from New York. She would say because... Because, mm. and I've heard other New Yorkers because I don't even know how to write that. Yeah, so if, yeah. if you don't say because, that's good. Um, audience, audience, uh, audience. What would be audience? Okay, so it has an audience AU. or audience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, it has. It's spelled with an AU, mm -hmm. which is really an AW. Mm. If you think about the sound, yeah, like like the word awesome or awful. Mm -hmm. So it is audience as the standard. Mm -hmm. If we're doing a Midwestern accent, all of those AWs turns and in, turn into Oz. Yeah. Audience. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes audience. Okay. But it's not the standard. The standard is audience. Okay. And then Costco, is it, it kind of goes back to the A, A mm -hmm. the, uh, is it Costco or Costco? That is a great question. As soon as you said the word, I was thinking, what is it? <laughs> so typically that O mm -hmm. can be one or the other, as in the word hot dog. Mm -hmm. And the word hot, it's an ah. And the <laughs> word dog, it's an ah. Mm. So hot dog, I mean, you can just see it by the way my mouth moves, hot yeah. dog. Mm -hmm. So is it Costco or Costco? Yeah. I don't know what it really means. Like, is does it stand for something? Is it somebody's name? 
I don't know. It's just I just thought of the store and I was like, no, no, no. I know. But is there a guy named Johnny Costco or Louise Costco? Is that a name? Because that would indicate. Maybe. okay. so if it was a name, what would it be? Then then you go by whatever that woman or child says, says. Okay. if it stands for the cost of food company, Mm -hmm. then for that word, I say the word cost as if it's an off. Mm, Me personally, if I were in the Midwest living, it would be Costco. If I'm doing standard, Mm -hmm. Costco. Wow, that's a great one. I I don't (laughs) think, I don't think it tips. I think it falls under the category of address Mm. address okay envelope envelope interchangeable i i kind of think it doesn't well well let's 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 talk about what you're really asking does it betray a region does mm-hmm. it expose a region mm-hmm. and the answer the answer is no it doesn't expose a region therefore i think they're interchangeable i guess the real answer would be go to a Costco commercial or a Costco mm-hmm. commercial and see how they say it. Okay. And therefore that becomes the standard. Okay. Because if they say it, then that's gotta be it. Okay. I will do that. Okay. I'll maybe even edit it into this portion, how they say Yeah, it. I don't know that answer, but that is a great question. With Costco services. And now I'm trying to think if I were if I were on a uh, a shoot and they asked me that. I ha- that's what I would do too. I would look it up and I'd say, I tell the I tell the script supervisor and the director, this is how they say it. Mm-hmm. Now, can I can I say something right now? Yeah. Okay. The measuring tool of a dialect coach, the measuring tool of what's right and what's wrong, is not my authority. It's what mm-hmm. the director receives mm-hmm. and puts the thumb of approval or stamp or whatever they put. <laughs> Yeah. To approve the seal of approval that the director says is the answer. Mm. I was doing a class recently and I said this to the class. Yeah. And the class was shocked. The kid in the class said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're the expert. Shouldn't you be telling him what to do? Well, shouldn't you be telling her what to do? You're the boss. I go, no. Remember back to earlier. Yeah. I'm not the boss. The producer's the boss. The director's the boss. Mm-hmm. They will determine what is right. For yeah. what they see. Yeah. They're the measuring tool. I'm giving them options. And everyone who's the head of a department gives the director and the producer options. Mm. We're not in the business of doing the final say. Yeah. They are the ones who say, that's the one. Mm. And that's a hard reality because you go yeah. around thinking, strutting around like you're you're number one. And you're really not. You mm. The pecking order is the boss is the boss. Yep. Yep. Go Give ahead them options. They do. Yep. So you did get your start at Second City, like we discussed. How do you think that helped you with your acting? Like, how do you think that mm-hmm. propelled your acting to be good? Okay. I learned in the Second City in my training, and I was also a Second City teacher and director. So that mm-hmm. that already did it in between and beyond. Yeah. The skills that you learn in the Second City and just improv in general is to be fearless, to go for it, 
to not stop unless someone stops you. Keep mm -hmm. going. Keep going. Get those waves of laughter until your director says, pull it back. Mm -hmm. Keep going. It gives you the confidence. So that's number one. Number two, you learn how to play characters strong. Mm -hmm. Because in the second city, you'll be doing a sketch. The yeah. lights come down. You go. You grab a hat and a coat. And now you're a different character right away. Mm -hmm. it's helped me doing voiceovers it's helped me with doing accents it really just teaches you to be fearless okay mm -hmm. and on a practical note when i came here from chicago i had done some commercials i had done industrial like training videos for walgreens for granger for u.s gypsum for a number of in-house videos. Yeah. I think I had done one movie, no real TV shows, but because Second City was on my resume and because I had great write-ups while being in the Second City, it enabled me to get a great agent when I first came to Vancouver. I did a mailing before I actually did my move and I nailed an agent right away. Yeah. And they saw my success in the second city and other shows that I had done as a good indicator that I would do future success. Mm. So the second city on a resume, you know, like the name Tony Alcantara for yeah. you, mm -hmm. it means it, it carries, and I'm joking, by the way, it carries a certain standard yeah. or it leads to an expectation that this person can do it because this person has done it. Mm -hmm. few people don't know the second city comedy club or in general mm -hmm. just like few, few people don't know snl you say snl and they'll go i get it yeah and if yeah. people don't know uh second city you just go it's like snl only live and funny mm -hmm. yeah. so so um so it's it's it trained me practically and also at a business um, mm -hmm. level would you advise every actor to have improv training? I will tell you who does. Mm, mm -hmm. Do you know who David Mamet is? The playwright David Mamet and director. He won a Pulitzer Prize. Surprisingly, this guy has said in his book, True mm -hmm. and False, which which I should get you for Christmas. Oh, okay. <laughs> um Send me your address and I will get it for you. Okay, I, I absolutely will. Thank you. He, one of his recommendations is, and I agree, mm -hmm. every actor should take an improv class. He says this. When mm -hmm. I was coming up in Chicago, there was this talk about this guy, David Mamet, who had gone out to L.A. Mm -hmm. in the 70s. And uh, he was an improv guy in Chicago. I didn't know if he formerly was, but then he worked into a writer and a director. And he's, he's great. Love listening to what he says. I don't know if he has a podcast. I heard him on the news recently. Mm. I find, I think he's a good man. Yeah. And he says, you must. And he doesn't recommend a lot of acting schools. Mm. He thinks you should learn the minimal and then just practice. I agree. I tell this to people too. learn the minimum and go practice like crazy. Yeah. Because this way it's in your own hands rather than paying some guru mm. to like, you know, massage money out of your purse. Because that's what a lot of businesses do i don't care yeah. if it's an acting school it could be a plumbing mm -hmm. uh, operation everyone's everyone wants your money right yeah. 
but he says you should take an improv class. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've yeah. been through it. I've taught it. I've directed it. So much of who I am is from what I've learned mm-hmm. in improv classes. My son, who's now getting getting into acting, mm-hmm. I think he should be in improv classes. He's yeah. taken them from me. Mm-hmm. Have you met my son? No, I've not. Okay. Okay. How old are you? I'm 20. Okay, he's he's going to be 16 soon, so he's, <laughs> he's got so he needs some more years, Tony. He needs well, he's okay. Okay, well, just be kind to him. I will. I'll be nice. <laughs> no, no, he's. Um, I tell him. Yeah. Take an improv class. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great icebreaker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. So the, the answer is yes. Okay, cool. I've done some, but I need to do more. And for me, a few reasons that I need to do it is a obviously for my acting, but also because I'm a very shy person when it comes to like face to face interactions. And improv would help with that. But also like, my plan that I want to do is do some stand-up comedy classes because that's out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And that I think will help me get into the comedy world a little bit too. Cause I, I'm not like a funny comedic type of person. When I read a script that's meant to be funny, it turns into a drama. Like I just really, yeah, I'm, I'm not good with comedy. So I think if I, yeah. And it, it bothers me a lot. So that's what my plan is to get better at. So I want to start with stand up because that's totally out of my comfort zone and will help me, I think, learn how to write and read jokes. And then I want to get into the improv of comedy. That's like my little two step that I think I'm going to try. I I am a people person. Mm -hmm. I have never done stand up. Believe it or not, (laughs) I have never done. I can go in front of an audience. I can play a character. Mm -hmm. I can do um, scene work with other actors. Yeah. People think I'm a stand-up comic because you've never seen me in class live. It is like stand-up comedy. Yeah. But I've never done stand-up. Yeah. Um, I would say if you can muscle through the fear of being alone, Mm. good for you. Mm -hmm. I myself have never done that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, so so I can't say yay or nay to a stand-up class. That kind of, that's that's unknown to me. Yeah. Go for it. Mm -hmm. And, and you definitely want, in December, come to my class. Yeah, I will. You'll, you will improvise and you'll have fun. Trust me, you'll have fun. Yeah. I'll come and I'll bring my best friend. She's an actress too. And she is funny. She, when I have, okay. when I have a script that's meant to be funny, I send it to her and I say, can you tell me where the comedy is? Like, that's how bad I am at it. And she's like, girl, it's all over here. And I'm like, got it. Thank you. Who is she? Do I know her? Um, You don't. She did come to Francesca. We went together. Francesca's first free workshop. Yeah. We both came to it. It was for scene study. Her name is Hiwat Tedla. Hey, if you ever need a funny girl. Really? She, yeah, she gets mad when I tell her that she's super funny because it's an expectation, but she's so funny. No, I understand. But you seem to be very outgoing. Like right now, we are improvising. Yeah. Yeah, I am. It takes, 
it takes a while for me to get comfortable. And when it's in person, like you'll see me for the workshop, I will be in my shy, like anxious state. Cause that's just how I am when things are in person. You want, you want to know something. And this is funny. The yeah. two things that I'm known for teaching are improv and for, and, and dialects. Mm. And in both cases, actors come to me mm-hmm. and they feel an expectation to be blank, mm. to be funny if it's improv or mm. to have this new sound for an accent. Mm-hmm. And I find both cases are really the same thing. Take the shackles off because you are funny. Normally, I think people generally are really funny. And all we have to do is, and this is an inside track, mm-hmm. all we have to do is take away that anxiety that yeah. we put on our performance anxiety mm-hmm. and just go, I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. People are generally funny. Mm-hmm. This is why, this is why when you watch a movie, yeah. you know what the best part of any movie is? The outtake reels. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because they're just being themselves. Yeah. They And they are the thing you remember. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't care if it's a drama. Mm-hmm. There is a movie. Probably 1980. Mm-hmm. It was Peter Sellers' last movie. He died shortly after that. Mm-hmm. The movie was not a comedy. Yeah. It was called Being There. He played a very controlled character. It was a critically acclaimed movie. I don't know if it was nominated. Anyway, it turned out to be his last film. Mm. At the end of that movie, this is a 1980-ish, the credits are rolling and they show the outtakes of this one monologue that he does. It will crack you up. And I remember watching the end of it going, why are they putting, this is really funny. It was so different, but they knew Mm -hmm. this this is the real deal. This yeah. is not acting. This is the real deal. So I'm surprised. I think you're a good improviser. I think you, oh, you have a charming rapport. I don't find you. I've never found you at all. Like, uh, Tony, don't make me do this thing. Yeah. The the anxiety for me, I can push through because for me, when it comes when it comes to my personal life, I don't push through. Like I have dreams of you know going out and hanging out with friends and like going clubbing and stuff. Cannot get through my anxiety to do it. But for my career, because I want it so bad, I will push through. But yeah, personal, it's it's a weird thing for me, and I've been trying to like get better at it. But we'll see. But with comedy classes. I think because that will push me completely out of my comfort zone and put me in the most anxiety inducing state ever that if I can get through that, I should be able to go to a club and do some improv. Yes. Yes. Good. Yeah. So speaking of um, improv, actually. Yeah. And you just said like the outtakes are the best. Which is true. The other thing that is also the best is the jokes in comedy movies that are the improvised jokes. And because I like to watch movies and stuff and then watch interviews. Mm-hmm. Listen to the interviews, then watch the movie again. Mm-hmm. And there's this movie called Bottoms. And it just came out a little while. I didn't see it, but I've seen the ads for it. You have to watch it. It might not be like your style of movie, but Tony, it's the best movie I've ever watched. Really? Yes. 
and not to mention like that that it's like completely made by women like that also makes me very happy and and they had like a story of a story that I can see being my life which is like going to school and then creating your own short film the short film doing good making it a feature film and then having like that's kind of the 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 director's story as well as the lead they both wrote the film nice it's amazing. It's so funny. And most of it, I think they said like probably 70, 80% of it was improvised jokes, which leads me to a movie that you were a part of. Yes. Best in show. Yes. And I just want to list off the the cast so people can understand my question that I'm going to ask. Christopher mm-hmm. Guest, Eugene mm-hmm. Levi, Fred Willard, Catherine O'Hara, Parker Posey, John Michael Hid. Higgins, Jennifer Coolidge, Michael McKean, Jane Lynch, and many, many more. Mm-hmm. A a very like amazing cast full of A-list people. Yeah. When you booked that movie, yes. what were your like feelings and thoughts? You're like, oh my God, I booked this movie, Jennifer Coolidge. When I auditioned for that, and it was it was shot here. Mm-hmm. I was told by my agent they're looking for improvisers. Mm. So um, you're going to play this chef. Yeah. So I just want you to. They want you to improvise something. Mm-hmm. And so I go in there, and uh, it's you know I'm a second city guy, and I know that. And Christopher Guest is there, mm. and I I had seen him around. I know who he is. Uh, and he says, okay, just just do some thing and so i do some shtick and whatever and it's basically just the back and forth there was a reader i think ellie harvey was the reader and Mm. she's an improviser too and so we did some shtick and whatever and it was fun and i walked down like whatever because (laughs) at an improv you don't know what's going to happen and if you expect like the three people in the room to stand up and give you the waves of laughter they're not going to Mm -mm. But apparently they thought, oh, he can do the job. And on the day, it was a much bigger scene than the final cut. It was fun. It was funny. Um, And um, the funniest thing was when I got the script, it's like 20 pages. Mm. It was I should have kept it. I wouldn't have had a hard copy. It was literally just like what the scenes are going to look like Mm. in rough form. Wow. So the it was so thin. Was 20 pa- pages. I wow. could have been 15 now that I think about it. It was like, what? Yeah. How is this going to be a movie? Yeah. But you just turn and you just see the, they just had it um, mapped out with the overview of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that means that everybody, not just Tony Alcantar, yeah. was just winging it. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, my, my first thought was, oh, they didn't use that joke that I did. Oh, they didn't do the thing. <laughs> Okay, whatever. Yeah. But when I saw the movie, my thought was, wow, that's, you just need good people. Mm. But here's the irony, back to David yeah. Mamet. Mm-hmm. David Mamet, excuse me, who, who says you should take an improv class. Yeah. Apparently, as a writer and a director, if he's writing a thing, he does not like you to improvise at all. Mm. Do you know that? He yeah. wants you to say exactly what he wrote on the page. Mm. He's already thought it out. You just say that thing. Trust mm-hmm. me. Just just say it. It's going to yeah. work. It's going to work. I already thought about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm, as an improviser, 
part of me wants to say, come on, that's a funny line. Yeah. Buddy, don't be so married to your thing. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, part of me says, back to what we said, the boss gets what the boss wants. Yep. Just give the boss what the boss wants. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the third hand, I have been on set. Yeah. And the the writer will be on set and the he'll he she will be watching the thing and there will be a made up line and i'm following with my script i got my headphones on and i see what's i hear what's being said and i look in it and in the, the line that's different is really funny mm. or it works and i look over to the writer to see what the writer's thinking or saying yeah more often than not nothing because even the writer knows good work yeah Mm-hmm. And when it works, it works. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I, I don't mean I see the value in both. Yeah, of course. And I read somewhere they had like 60 or 90 hours of footage, like some absurd amount of footage, and they had to really condense it into what it was. And I would like to see a a 90 minute of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe I, I do believe it would have been like that. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely believe it would have been like that. And the people, if you think about uh, the talent, yeah. you know that they could go on for a, a, a two-page scene. You know they could go on for five minutes. Mm -hmm. A two-page scene should be two minutes. Yep. yep. You know that they could go on for five minutes. They could double that easily. Oh, yeah. Yep. There, There is an outtake. If you ever see the movie... Um, Here's another, here's another one that used a lot of improv, uh, bed, bedazzled. Okay. Bedazzled. Um, it, uh, who won the Oscar last year, last year for best actor for the movie? Whale. Um, you know, that uh, actor? Um, Brendan oh, Fraser. Brendan yes, Fraser. Brendan Fraser. So he was, in, he was in that movie. Yeah. And there's a number of improvising and comedy actors in that. Harold uh, Harold Ramis was the director, and I think he rewrote the screenplay. Mm. And in Bedazzled, at the end of the DVD outtakes, sorry, mm -hmm. special features, they have like a five-minute improv of the two sports guys talking. Mm. If you can find it on YouTube, mm -hmm. Bedazzled Sports Outtake Improv or whatever. Yeah. It is so funny. You hear Harold Ramis laughing in their earpiece saying, that's great, guys. Now talk <laughs> about this. And they switch and they do that and they're doing some physical stuff. It is hilarious. Mm. A seasoned improviser yeah. can save your bacon mm -hmm. if you're if you let them mm -hmm. a uh, this is bringing back a nightmare. Oh no. <laughs> a a not an immature and insecure director will mm. clamp down. I was in, mm. speaking of Dan Castellaneta, mm -hmm. he came up here 20 years almost ago and I was hired to be an actor in this made-for-TV movie. Yeah. I hadn't seen Dan since I was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. This is before I had kids. And so my wife and I, we flew out to Victoria to shoot it. Yeah. And so I go, Dan's here. I go, Dan, Homer Simpson. I knew him in Chicago. Mm. so he's we're we're in the you know circus area and i go dan mm -hmm. he turns and i go it's tony alcantar from chicago he's like tony what are you doing here mm -hmm. now, he's been homer simpson at this point for over 10 years 
Yep. So we're talking, we're shooting the bull and all that stuff. We, we, we never talk about anything other than the people we knew in Chicago. Mm. We didn't talk about Homer Simpson because I didn't want to be Dan Homer yeah. Simpson. No, he's Dan Castellaneta. He's a guy. I, 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 when his, when he and his wife were dating, they, they were dating in Chicago and they got married out in LA. I imagine. Anyway. Yeah. We go out there on set. He's an improv guy. I'm an improv guy. We're doing a scene. The director is just sucking the comedy out of the room. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, why isn't she letting us play? Yeah. I know it's a drama, but there's some irony in the scene. Mm-hmm. And it was the most, to me, the most stale performance I've ever done mm. because I really wasn't allowed off the leash. Yes. Give the boss what you want, what the boss wants. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm looking over there. Dan's there. I'm here. Come on. Let us, let us at least give us a couple takes for. Yeah. Just, just to see. Just yeah. to see. Well, switching gears a little bit, when yeah. it comes to um, getting a script that you know you need accent work for, whether it be standard American, British, Australian, whatever, how should people go about preparing their scene with the accent? I say right away, you've got to put the two together. Mm. You can't do the acting and then sprinkle the accent on top of it like it's like it's uh, sprinkles on a cupcake. Yeah. It's got to be baked in like the eggs and the flour and the milk. And the, it, yeah. it's, it is the thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. Even if the director says, actually, you know what? Let's screw the accent. Mm-hmm. Then also prepare it a different way. See, this is the thing about actors. We have to be flexible. Yeah. Another dialect coach may say, nope. Do it one way because mm-hmm. no, no, but immerse yourself and just be flexible yeah. for both. Okay. And and here's what I've even said to you. Mm-hmm. A good act, a good act, a good performance covers up a bad accent, mm-hmm. but it also enhances the accent. So it's not bad. Mm-hmm. So you always try to bake the two together right away. Mm. There's an expectation in an accent, mm-hmm. as I've probably told you. Mm-hmm. If I'm playing a British character. There is a stereotypical British character who every Brit and everyone in the world knows. Yeah, that guy's probably British just by the way he behaves or an mm-hmm. Italian woman. Mm-hmm. Hello. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. There, yeah. there is a reputation that precedes you. Mm-hmm. So, so play lightly the thing that's already known. Put it together with the performance, but be flexible enough to back off of it. Mm. If I had a role, let's say, where I was playing a New Yorker. Let's say I don't know a New York accent, but I do. Yeah. I would, I would, you know, in preparation, I'd watch a couple, now more than ever, just a, some YouTube clip of some actor who I like, who is a, who will serve as a role model and an inspiration, mm-hmm. but don't watch some YouTube video on how to do a New York accent. Okay. That's no, good. No, you yeah. immerse yourself in the character. Mm. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's a, about the character it's not about the sound the yeah. sound is only like like the backdraft of the character mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's how i would do it yeah that's good because yeah i didn't know if it was like you circle the words that you know have specific sounds or do all of that which i'm sure you can do but yeah i guess it's like when you're finding your goal and you're doing your script work you play it into the accent 
Before we end off here, yes, I have a jar of random hypothetical <laughs> questions. Okay. I am going to have you answer. Okay. Whatever this says. Uh oh. Okay. If you could be anyone's dog in the world, whose dog would you be? I would be the dog of a Viking. Oh. Because, because they continuously were at the table. Mm -hmm. This is in movie land. Yeah. I'd be the dog of a Viking because every time I see a dog in a Viking movie, there's a feast. Mm. There's a lot of food, like dripping meat, whatever they killed to eat. Mm -hmm. And the dog is always licking. And here's the funny thing. Yeah. The, maybe it's one movie that I saw where they like wipe their hands on the dog's fur and then oh. they lick it off. So they, they would be well fed. I would be the yep. dog of a Viking. There you go. You wouldn't get any more food than that. That's it. Um, I am. I would be the loyal dog of a Viking. Love it. Okay, where can people find you on social media or your website, IMDb, all of that? Yeah, TonyAlcantar.com. Mm -hmm. And I, um, IMDb, I guess Tony Alcantar also. TonyAlcantar.com, yeah. uh, info at TonyAlcantarDialect.com. Mm. And I think uh, on Instagram, I think it's TonyAlcantarDialect. There aren't, a, there aren't a bunch of Tony Alcantara. No, just search up Tony Alcantara, guys, and you'll find him. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and answering all my questions. It was so yeah. much fun. Great to see you again, and I yes. will see you in December, and we will talk. Bye. Bye.